As a young child, there was something that always, you know, stayed with me a lot and it was a lot of just gratitude. I think that my grandma really instilled it into me at a young age. I spent a lot of time with her and lived with her until I was five. I think it comes down to how you perceive your life and whether you see that as such a challenge and the worst thing to ever happen. If I have nothing else in life, I always have a choice. Over the past few years, my life has completely changed. I've built one of Australia's most successful e-commerce startups, Happy Skin Co, generating over 10 million per year in sales and disrupting a billion dollar industry in the process. I've now turned my passion for growth and personal development to bring you these honest and eye-opening conversations. This isn't just a business podcast. This is about the person underneath. This is about the journey. This is what it's really like. I'll be interviewing guests from all walks of life, each with their own unique perspectives and experiences, from the hardest day of their life to the biggest accomplishments and everything in between. My name is Dylan Mullen, and this is Life, Money, and Love. All right, episode three, Vonnie, thank you so much for coming in. Um, there's so much I want to talk to you about for everyone who doesn't know Vonnie. She's uh, the managing director of Vonnie Media and uh, co-founder of The Good Gun, which we've heard a little bit about with uh, Brenton on not too long ago, but I want to go into all your businesses. But first, there's one thing I wanted to start with and congratulate you for being uh, the BNC 30 under 30 entrepreneurs. So can you tell me how did that all happen? I know you've got the best team in the world and like you took them along and such an exciting process, but how did that all come apart and tell me a little bit about that journey and that award and what it means. Thank you so much, Dylan. It's, yeah, it was such an unreal experience. It was something that I had never thought to apply for. Mm. However, I'd had some advice to, you know, put yourself out there a little bit more, you know, go in, go for an award. And I thought, you know what, if there's one that I really want to enter, it's the B&T 30 under 30. And yeah. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give it a crack. Um, and I think it's like a good piece of advice. I was quite nervous at what I was putting forward. Like, was it something that um, would matter to the judges? I didn't really have that skill yet of what to actually do when I present an award or like a uh, uh, what's the word? Sorry, present. Uh, like I guess. a case? Like yeah, a, like yeah. my case of, of the accomplishments and achievements that have happened. So I actually engaged a PR consultant who yeah, specializes in like looking at that. Um, and they were able to really provide me with good feedback and ways to structure my responses. So did BNT have a template or it was completely up to you to submit it in the way that you want to create this like application, so to speak? They had about six or seven questions that I needed to mm. answer and they just gave me a word limit and just go for it. So I was able to put like 90% of it together and then <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. kind of went, you know what? I just want to get this checked over. Yeah. Am I rambling about things that don't matter or have I said maybe too little or too much? Mm. So being able to have someone who was a PR consultant to just like keep a, an eye and just ha like double check it for me was really cool. Um, and then yeah, submitted it off, had no idea what to expect, was just happy to be there. Is that there. the thing that was coming up and people had to vote for? Was that that one? No. Or was that so was a different one? So many awards, Bonnie. I know. So the, the way that B&T works, they have uh, an, a People's Choice Award, which mm -hmm. is pretty much uh, an award that's uh, awarded for people who uh, get the most votes. Yeah. Uh, so it is very much a voting one. Yeah, I yeah. don't, I definitely didn't win that one, but that's Well, like okay. you're going to be going up with people that have 50, 100,000 followers. Like you can't Really yes, the person who won had over 32,000 votes yeah. and I think I probably had around like 100. <laughs> yeah, but like if you convert that to your following, like that's a pretty good conversion rate. But how do you compete with 32,000 votes when you're just like, yeah. As soon as I saw, they would do weekly tallies yeah. in their updates online and as soon as I saw that number, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna just going to go for the one that's <laughs> done by the panel of judges yeah. and I think that was the one that I was really, um, yeah, aiming for as well. I think that's the one that, you know, they really take a look at your answers and your responses. Um, but nonetheless, so awesome that that person won the people's choice. Yeah. It's amazing. What was, what were some of the questions they, that you had to uh, like 
put together to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think beyond, you know, getting some context behind the business, Mm -hmm. it was also around, you know, what are your uh, like stances on how we could be better in the industry and Mm -hmm. what would be some words to describe you and do you have any testimonials that others have left about you both like from the team and then also like as a client? But you have all of that even before it was an award process. Like you genuinely had all of that, (laughs) So yeah, I'd say in bits and pieces, but it's actually a really good opportunity for me to collect all of those thoughts together and have some structured responses to go towards the media and yeah it was really exciting to just put it in see how we went and I thought you know what I'm going to invite some friends yeah. invite some of the team because that was up Gold along. Coast right no that was actually based in Sydney the b okay, yeah. yeah I went to a retail conference last you're week. doing so much I can't even keep up yeah I mean look post-covid I think it's something that mm. I really just want to say yes to lots of things and really get out there I think that we had you know a couple of years there where we really couldn't go out too much yeah. and kind of had those limitations um and respectfully and rightfully so now you know, when yeah. things are back to a little bit of a new normal, yeah. it's about saying yes to things and really, you know, meeting new people as well and pushing out of your comfort zone. Yeah, I love that. And I'm the same. Like I went literally, I think I, I think you've done a little bit more travel than me recently, but I did my first flight for like, well, I was in New York in the like February before COVID happened. So that was like a month after I left, they had like the, the bed set up in Central Park. You know how it was like a really bad emergency at the start. That was the last time I traveled until I was in Queensland two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And just to be at the airport again, like I'm getting all this anticipation. I'm like, oh my God, we're back, baby. I love it so much. So I, I agree. I love that saying yes to things. I think I should do that more as well. It's just hard though to like everything you say yes to is like of what I've had to learn is I'm also saying no to something as mm. well. But I think now coming out of our shell, like I'm all about saying yes again. Um, we're just talking heaps about funny media. I want to get to that. I want to hear the whole story of how you built it and how the idea came upon. But before we get there, one of the things I admire about you most isn't the success that you've had or the team that you've been able to grow. It's seriously who you are as a person and your character. Like you're one of the most sweetest, like you seem so loyal and caring and like your energy is so lovely to be around. So I just want to know like, like who Vonnie is, how, how you came to be this amazing person. What, like, let's start at your childhood. What was your childhood like? What was a, you know, primary school Vonnie like? <laughs> that is such a cool question. I'm excited to unpack this. And I don't think I've ever really spoken too publicly about my childhood before. So yeah. be exciting to deep dive in. I think as a young child, there was something that always, you know, stayed with me a lot. And it was a lot of just gratitude. I think that my grandma really instilled it into me at a young age. I spent a lot of time with her and lived with her until I was five, um, which is super cute. She lives, yeah, just in Chippendale in a gorgeous terrace house. Um, And we spent a lot of time together and she would always like, you know, do every day we would be, you know, saying what we're grateful for. And I think she just really instilled like a really good foundation of how to see life. Um, And also I think I was just really like, from that gratitude just had a lot of good perspective around like being Mm. thankful for the little things that I had and just seeing the more positive side of life so I think those you know from zero to four like those years are super critical in terms of the the life lessons that you're taught yeah so I'm really thankful for her she's so beautiful she laughs like Elmo she's had 10 (laughs) kids she's a superwoman seriously that's so funny you say that that's so similar to my childhood like I grew up with my mum and my grandparents until I was five Mm. So, oh, yeah, like so really similar. Neat. I know, I know, <laughs> yeah. I know. And I think we t- spoke to this, to Brenton about it or to someone. Like grandparents, I feel like being surrounded by grandparents when you're young is such a gift. Like I used to go to bed and like, I'd not go to bed, I'd fall asleep on my granddad's lap and he'd carry me to bed every night. So oh. being surrounded by all that love and positivity, like I feel like it really does do something that you can't really explain about creating those like internal values and those feelings of comfort and love and security that you can't that you can't get 
like you can't just create that later in life. You can't be mm. t- mid-20s and you didn't grow up with a lot of love or support around you and just say, I'm going to give myself all that. You probably can do a lot of things, but yeah. that early childhood is like, wow. Like just being, I just, yeah. When you started talking about grandparents, it makes me so happy because like I love my grandparents so much and yeah. All right, what about business? Like were you always in school, like you knew you are going to start business or <laughs> like a little hustler? No, not at all. I mean, I think I, I always wanted to work for myself and I think that that's something that, and not from a young age, but probably from when I started uni. Um, and there was like a bit of an introduction to working for myself when I was a teenager. I had multiple jobs at once and one of my jobs was to was a YouTuber back wow. in 2010 That's and 2011. Epic. 2010. Yeah. So like real early days, at least in Australia, um, there was a bit of a presence overseas and mm. a few like gamers, maybe some introductory people onto YouTube in Australia. But I was young on the block, you know, just <laughs> making videos for fun um, and just really wanted to get creative, have a bit of an outlet. And so it came from a really good intention yeah. and starting to do that, that really, I guess, helped my confidence build. And I lived with a family of boys. So like for me talking yeah. about makeup and having like a pink room, I was like, these people get me. Um, this is great. And I think what that experience really taught me, it actually taught me quite a few things. I've got a kind of a random story to share, yeah. but it was something that I learned in that time that I did do YouTube um, more so as like my career and my job. And I had this really random goal, like the most bizarre, not even random or bizarre, but just at 15 or 14, you're like, why would someone have this goal? And it's laughable at best. But wait and see. So I had this goal. There was this YouTuber that I watched and she was from Texas and she was in the beauty space and she probably had like 600,000 subscribers at the time, which was huge yeah. back then. Like you were at your peak if you were on your way to a million back then. Um, you still are. Uh, and I, you know, my goal was just to be able to be in one of her videos and to be her friend. Yes, <laughs> This little to be kid her friend. I love from, that. What a goal. Yeah, what a goal, right? Had a big mission ahead of me um, to be in one of her videos. I'm like a kid from Ingedine. Nowhere near Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nowhere near Texas, um, let alone like all of those kind of variables. However, it was just a goal that I had, but it was in the back of my mind. Something is like that would be a pipe dream for me was to be in one of her videos and to be able to be friends. Anyway, so as time went on, it was sort of just subconsciously in my mind. But as you get into the YouTube space, you know, you make lots of online friends and you add each other yeah. on Twitter and Tumblr and all the hip, yeah. you know, up-to-date platforms back then. Um, and I guess over time I was just, you know, getting really acquainted and into the ecosystem. And I didn't even really realise that my goal was back there in my mind, yeah. but my life was actually unfolding in that way. Yeah. It's like the friends that I was making were people from LA, California, yeah. a little bit from Texas, to be honest, just because of my interests as well. Yeah. And then there was one time, I think she'd asked um, this particular YouTuber that I was like, love you. Um, I think she asked for, for Tumblr handles on her Twitter. And I was like, oh, there was a time that I would want her to like notice me. It'd probably be because of my Tumblr. So yeah. sent through my Tumblr being like, this is come visit chance. if yeah. you want to. Um, and she replied being like, I absolutely love your Tumblr and oh my goodness, I love your videos. You're so positive and so grateful. Yeah. This has really inspired me. And I was like, what? This is crazy. Like it really like stood out to me that you really can achieve what wow. you like, what you want. Like I was there like, what the heck? I know it's just something simple. The next day I woke up and she'd made a YouTube video um, with 10 YouTubers that she wanted to spread the love to and that she wanted to just give back some of her yeah. gratitude for people who've impacted her. Yeah. And I was the second YouTuber mentioned and that she wanted to come to Australia to what? visit me, put me into her videos as well, like image videos, the whole thing. And I was like, I've achieved the goal. What the heck? And how, how old are you like 16? Yeah, I was like 15. I was like, wait. This is crazy. Like this is something that it just taught me so many things. It taught me to put yourself out there. Yeah. 
it taught me to have big, crazy, audacious goals that you think are so out of reach, but they're not really, yeah. especially when you break down the internet and just all about building relationships yeah. as well. I think that was another key piece was the fact that I was just giving out value, giving out help. I know it was like my Tumblr, so but what, I was, what she sort was looking of video, for inspiration. Yeah, what sort of videos and content were you sharing? Oh, uh, they were, <laughs> go back. Oh, just I wish you we could get my, them up right now. I'll introduce you to my private folder on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. It was literally just vlogs. Like I'd vlog my year 10 formal or I'd vlog like our school camps or I'd do uh, makeup videos and they were all the same. Yeah, yeah They were yeah. all just yeah. using this Coastal Sense palette that yeah. just had all these colours and it was the same thing oh, every time. Oh, that's so good. It was just wholesome. And did you, like what happened, like have you – kept in touch with her at all or oh, we have each other on Facebook. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pretty Facebook. Pretty I feel good. like now if you're friends with someone on Facebook, that's like the real test. It's like, I feel like it's kind of weird if I just meet someone, they're like, what's your Facebook? I'm like, what do you mean? What's my Facebook? Like, you know, my Instagram or Twitter, but. Yeah, Facebook's like, you mm. know, you're getting into the family, getting into yeah, the yeah, core yeah. group. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, so much time's gone on and everything, mm. but it, that experience really opened my eyes to what's possible and that if you really do have a goal, you'd surprise yourself at how close you can get there just by actually having it be uh, in, into existence. Yeah, so on, on that achieving, like, these big goals so quickly in life, like, did you, what do you think that did for you? Did you, did that, did you reflect on that and did you think, okay, I was able to achieve these goals because I did this, this and this? Or mm -hmm. Well, I think that it wasn't luck that it happened. Yeah. I think that it was a sequential like array of steps, like being able to build relationships in the YouTube space and in America specifically and in that certain niche. Like there were certain steps that I didn't even really realise. I'd forgotten about the goals. Yeah. To me, I was like, that's a laughable goal at best. Yeah. But then it, it actually started to happen because my intention was really good in the moment of creating the videos. It was to have fun, get creative, have an outlet. And that was what I was interested in. So it just all kind of came about when you align yourself. Yeah, but when you're doing questions. it from that point and it's natural and organic and you're doing it for the love of it, I feel like you've got so much of like such a higher chance of succeeding rather than the people that go like, I'm going to give myself three months. I'm going to put everything into YouTube so I can make as much money mm -hmm. as I can or become yeah. as famous as I can or doing things specifically to go viral. I feel like there's a place for that, particularly with TikTok. But if you want to create longer form content like YouTube and you're actually working in your passions and spreading joy and the things that you love the most, I feel like it, it just makes you feel better and it, and it resonates to an audience. I feel like people can see if like you're like bullcrapping people, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So 100%. Your intention is everything. If you're coming from an intention of fear or of vanity, like you're just doing it for the Instagram post yeah. or I remember I was like, oh, I really want to go to New York, Sam, to my partner. And he was like, why? I was like, how could the pick be? And he was like, you really <laughs> yeah, gotta, he's like, you really got to think back of your intention there. I was like, yeah, you're right. I was like, I'm not giving out any like yeah. duty or charity or service to others. Like I just wanted to be there to be there. And that's sweet. And that's great. And I think New York, there's some pretty cool, you know, areas to get a picture. But I think more than that like what impact could you have in New York and how could you actually yeah. give to that place and like equally with your YouTube how can you be able to provide value and, and enjoy the process yeah I feel like that's a big thing in terms of for me with my with my social media let's say Instagram for example I feel like there would be times where I get into posting and then like I'll sit back and reflect and we go okay let's look at my last six posts were these for me or were these for other people? Mm. Were these for me to show off, hey, I'm look at this cool life I'm living or oh, I look really good in this picture show, I want to share it? Or am I actually doing it and thinking of like creating some sort of value to the other people? Mm -hmm. And like a lot of the time, to be honest with myself, I'm like, yeah, no, it's just been to scratch mm. my own little egotistical mm. itch. Or, but I'm trying to move away from that. And, and I know That's you good. put out a lot of content for that. But yeah, it's a really good point. I feel like I heard it first with like a Gary Vee thing. Like people complain, hey, why am I not growing? Why am I not growing? And it's like putting out content 
for your own ego rather mm. than to actually create something for the world or for a better purpose? 100%. I think that you've got to really check yourself on those goals and be like, okay, where am I heading here? Am I doing it because I'm scared or is it because I just want to reach the fame or is actually like this is helping so many people right now and I'm on fire and I would do this no matter what point in the day I'd be up late at night. Like, and I think we've yeah. achieved that in our businesses. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there was such a heart and a passion to be able to help people with a particular mm. problem. Yeah. You know, and I think when you come from that place, you can see what it does when you yeah. have that focus, that direction and those clear goals. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that with YouTube, it, it was in that intention for a long time. And then I think as soon as she, you know, um, gave me the shout, I was brilliant. I was on high, like double yeah. my subscribe account. I was like, sweet, that's me done. Um, and I think that was the problem. I was almost yeah. like, oh, cool. Like, what's my subscribe account at now? Like, I had yeah. never thought of it. And then all of a sudden I was looking at that and my intention started to Did shift. Did it change for yeah. you when you started focusing on those metrics rather than 100%. Love yeah, mm. definitely. It definitely changed. It was such a switch from like, this is just fun. I'm filming on photo booth and on these, you know, little Your cameras booth, and, that's the best. and uploading to have memories and, mm. you know, help people and chat in the comments to like, oh, why isn't my subscriber count growing? Oh, yeah. it's slowed down because of this. And I started to change how I saw it. Um, and I think once you do that, that's when you've got to really kind of take a step back, get honest with yourself yeah. and think, okay, how can I move forward in a more, you know, intentional place? Yeah. I feel like it's going to be the same for the podcast. Obviously we haven't released any episodes yet. We're very close, but it's like when we're going through this journey, I don't want to be focusing so much on, Hey, why aren't we number X on the, mm. on the charts? Why are we getting less views this time than that one? I don't want to focus on that. That's kind of out of my control, but I'm not just doing it for enjoyment. I want to be good at things. The thing I want to focus on, that's still going to drive me forward. But it's like, I want to focus on, okay, not so much how many views, listens or shares we're getting, but what are we, are we creating better content than we were before? Am I asking better questions? Are we creating content that serves people more and just focus on creating the better product mm -hmm. and let that other stuff take care of itself. Otherwise you're going to like, cause there's going to be highs and lows and I just don't want it like attach my mindset and my intention to that, you know? hundred percent. And I think you've seen it firsthand when you're not focusing on that and when you're actually focusing on the heart of getting the best product out there and really focusing in on your craft, how much yeah. that can really, you know, for others, how much that's yeah. going to just explode and take off. You said something when you were talking about the initial YouTube days that I mm. kind of want to hear a little bit more about. You said you grew up like in a house full of guys. <laughs> yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I was in a single parent home. Yeah. Um, definitely more like, you know, um, lower middle class being single parent as yeah. well. Um, and like I said before, I grew up with my grandma um, on my dad's side till I was five, then moved out of there and then moved on my mum's side with those grandparents yeah. till I was nine. Yeah. Um, and so it was a lot of chopping and changing different homes. Um, and then finally was able to move home when I was like nine to 10, yeah. um, like a home home, I guess, with yeah. like um, my mum and my dad at the time. And yeah, it was really difficult to go through those transitions of like having someone that you dearly love to then yeah. being removed, place somewhere else, then place somewhere else. You yeah. can't I do feel, you know, like, oh, where is my home and where do mm -hmm. I find my place? And then, yeah, I had my two brothers as well yeah. um, where I only lived with one of them for like one year in total. And then the other one from when I was like five or six was the mm -hmm. first time I'd really interacted with that brother. So a little bit of a different household. Yeah. Do you feel like moving around a lot impacted your character and then helped you or hindered you developing certain traits or? Mm, I think I, it's so interesting you say that because I think it comes down to how you perceive your life and whether you see that as such a challenge and the worst thing to ever happen. Okay. But you can also see it as like, hang on, this is cool. I yeah. have some adversity here. I've got something that, you know, if I have nothing else in life, I always have a choice 
and I can make the decision on how I'm going to approach this. And I can see this as a point of, you know, actually I'm going to have to work a little bit harder and, you know, I don't have like money to go to the movies. I'm going to have to go get a job at like 13, you know? And I think having that mindset of like, this is actually sick. I've got something to you know, to, to kind yeah. of build on my character. I don't know. I saw How, that as a real good was thing. That a, was, that a sub, was that a thing that you did naturally approaching it from that positive viewpoint or did you realise at such a young age that, hey, maybe I should do this and it will benefit me? How did that? I think from those core ages from zero to four with my grandma and how she was able to instill those foundations in me really then had me on that trajectory for the rest of my life. Like there's, you know, ups and downs in everyone's lives. And I think that it all comes down to how you learn from the experience and how you can once again, come back to gratitude and perspective. And yeah, I'm often like, this sounds so random, but I'll often go on like Google maps in like random places in the world. There's this amazing game called GeoGuessr. Are you aware of it? No. Oh my gosh, I have to show you. You basically get dropped somewhere randomly in the world and yeah. you have to guess where you are. It's amazing. It's like I've seen uh, I've seen TikToks of this yeah. and some like a guy lands on place and he just says like like whatever, Estonia, yep. Norway and like yeah, based is that on it? the yeah, yeah, based yeah. on like the plants or yeah, like the way yeah, the yeah, sun yeah, is. Yeah, it's that's like, of awesome. course we're like in the depths of the Netherlands and you're like, how do you know that? Um so I love that game. Yeah. I've got a premium subscription and everything. What's it called? GeoGuessr. GeoGuessr. All right, after. yeah, show me after. Yeah. Um with that as well, what was I gonna say? I forgot I'm, I'm all up in this uh GeoGuessr game. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Anyway. Oh, I'll, um, yeah, I'll kind of get to the, the crux of why oh, GeoGuessr yeah, 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 yeah. um, helps me in yeah, my childhood. Yeah. But, um, no, essentially with that, I play it all the time to actually get really good perspective of how mm. good we have it here yeah. in Australia, let alone Sydney. Like, I think for me, I was just so like, I live like in Australia, in Sydney, like I go to like a nice school still. Do you know what I mean? Like I was yeah. just like, what the heck? Like I still have it so amazing, have the best friends ever. You know, there was so much to be thankful for that I, I just put all my energy into there yeah. versus the other side. And I think I saw um, like my, uh, you know, my brothers, not not as a whole, but sometimes they wouldn't take that positive approach. And I got to yeah. see what happens to your life when you don't really have that gratitude all the time. And I sort of went, no, I'm going to stay in my lane. And yeah, this is a much it's more the difference abundant of perspective, right? Yeah. It's all about that, that mentality of life is happening for me, not to me. Yes. And I had a very similar thing. Like, as I said, like I grew up with my mum and my grandparents till I was five. I didn't meet my dad until I was 15. Uh-huh. I, I never lived like in the same house with, with my dad. So I, in a way, like I did live with my stepdad and, and stuff, but in, in a lot of people can say like, oh, like kind of be like, okay, like feel sorry for me in a way. Like, Mm. oh, you must have been missing out in all these ways because you didn't grow up with your dad. But honestly, and never once in my head did I like go to that as a negative. I'm like, okay, maybe I didn't on paper, but that for one, that's just my journey. But to look at the positives, I had such an amazing relationship with my grandparents, Mm. which I wouldn't have had if I didn't get to live with them. I was so close with my mom, being able to appreciate everything she did for me. So it's just like looking at from the different, shifting that perspective from like, oh my God, these challenges towards me, my life is so hard versus, hey, there's actually a lot of good things that I've got going on. And, and same as me, we would have been in like a lower middle class family. And I feel like from where I am now coming from that background, I feel like it has actually served me. Mm, so true. And that's the thing. It's all about that perspective at the end of the day. It's like, are you bitter? Are you angry that you didn't have the, you know, yeah. the picket, white picket fence yeah. with the fanciness? Or is it like, you know, Props to them and that's awesome. But also I did have a different type of childhood, yeah. but now it's given me the ability to work a little bit harder, yeah. to be a bit more resilient in situations. Yeah. And I would feel like, you know, when people would say little tiny problems, I'd be there like giggling. So I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, if only you knew like yeah. 
the intensity of some of the stuff that, you yeah. know, I, I, I have personally. But equally I was like, no, nah, like this is cool that I can yeah. have that up my notch as you yeah. know, a deeper character. And I some guess. people would tell me like, they tell me stories of like, oh, when they were young and they'd go on all these international holidays with their family <gasps> and like, oh, I was in Italy with my family and whatever this little inconvenience happened, it was so annoying. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I never went on any, like, <laughs> yeah. like I, we went down the coast or like to Queensland if we were lucky. Like I just think, oh, dude, that's. And yeah. even that still, it's like Oh, incredible, I loved it, but I didn't right? know any different. <laughs> totally, me too. That was the same as me. It was like one yeah. time down the coast. I was like, wow, <laughs> yeah. like we're so, you know. One of the memories there. that sticks in my head and will never disappear was a random little trip we went away. It was me, my older cousin, and um, my grandparents who we went to, I don't know if it's up or down the coast, it's called Fingal Bay somewhere, some oh, random. Oh, up, I think. Oh, my gosh, if it's down. Sorry. <laughs> no, I think, I think it's up, but I'm just not sure. And then we just like stayed at like this little like – caravan park kind of thing near the beach. And I just remember going for a walk and I must've been little because there was a game of like rugby on. And I remember hearing these guys running around. It sounded like they were so big and I must've been so small. And it just, I remember it sounded like horses galloping. That's how big they were. But just those little tiny memories where you didn't need to spend a lot of money, like, and they mm -hmm. just stick with you. And like, Every time I'll drive past there and I always go back and I think about how special that time was with my grandparents and with my older cousin who like I adore both of them, you know what I mean? That's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Always come back to what you can be grateful for yeah. and even if things got really hard and there were some times in your life that you're like, why did I go through that? Just know that that's going to be such great character building mm. for you and you can also then help others in need yeah. as well. There's always been a time where I've been like, oh, I've had a similar experience yeah. and I can really empathise or at least yeah. connect with you on that. Um, yeah, I think it's a really good thing. With that, you seem like, again, I know you wouldn't say we're best friends, but you, you seem like a very empathetic person. Like you can connect with people and just like connect on that level of caring and non-judgment. Do you feel like you were born with that or is, do you think growing up with these different perspectives, it's kind of been something that you've been able to build and cultivate? Mm, that's a good question. I think that I have always been a people person. I think that that's something that I was so excited to always meet new people or get involved in different things. And say if I was to ever go through like a heartache or something, I'd be like, oh my gosh, my life is over. I care about them so much. So yeah. it's a strength and a weakness, I guess, being so on the, the people side. But overall, I think it's a really big strength. And I'd say that the way that it's developed has really just been, yeah, been able to take the time and listen to stories and really understand where people are coming from. But then also, yeah, just being able to get more context yeah. around people, I think is important. I think sometimes we miss context um, and we can kind of throw someone to the side, but it's like, hang on, have we actually walked in their shoes as them, as opposed yeah. to like, oh, I don't like this. I wouldn't do that. But yeah. it's like, hang on, but you're not them. And you don't have the context of who they are, of why. And we that can be occurs. so quick and, and I'm, I'm guilty of it at times. Like you'll see something you don't agree with. And in, in my head, you're like, you obviously I'm not going to be the type of person that comments or actually says it's something in your head. You think something negative about it. And then like, I catch myself over the last few years because I want to become a better person. And I stop and think for a second, put myself in their shoes and it doesn't take long. Like you put yourself in their shoes and understand that's why they did what they did. And it's like, okay, wow. Now I understand, but mm. it's just. We live in a society where people like, especially on social media, talk first and like before they really think about it. Mm. So it's just one thing that I'm trying to work on as a person, take more time to process things that I don't necessarily agree with the first time I hear it and think, okay, why do I have this belief? Is this a belief that was drilled into me by society or mm. by maybe my parents' views or what school drilled into me? Is it actually something that I, as an adult, Dylan, who has my free will to make my own choices, do I really think, am I going to judge someone because they have a different view or is that, 
Is that fine? Yeah, I mm. think so. Being able to go, okay, I can have my views straight up, but now I need to really think in the context of them and what their life is like, what yeah. their childhood was like, what things that they've gone through, you know. And if you don't even have context to all those things then you won't really have context into yeah. how they will fully feel. But I am a big believer in like two sides to every story and then there are two stories and then the actual story, <laughs> yeah. you know, and just being, um, you know, open to, yeah. you know, the fact that people are mm. entitled to their own opinions and can yeah. come to their own conclusions. And that's okay because yeah. they've had a whole different life to you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, I want to go into the Vonnie Media stuff. I want to know everything, how it started. From the outside looking in, honestly, I feel like you look like the best boss in the world. And I would love to like, obviously, I just to be a part of your team seems like the best thing ever. So I want to get to, I really want to talk about your team and your relationship with your team. But take me back to the start. How did it start? When did it start? Where did you get this idea? And, and tell me about the, the the early stages of building Vonnie. Awesome. Vonnie Media. Will do. And Dylan, you are a lord. It would be an honour to have you on our <laughs> team. <laughs> no, no, all good. Um, yeah, let me let me walk you back. Yeah. I think that uh, to kind of give you a bit of a journey, um, back at school, you know, I was kind of like an uh, average student, I'd say. But the one thing that really changed my grades was me realising that if I was able to build a connection with my teachers and like have a friendship with my teachers, mm. I would go better. Like it's so, it's, this sounds so bad, but let me give you some context. I, um, this is actually a good one <laughs> in ancient history. And I'm like pretty good at English. So I was like, I'm going to do pretty good in ancient. Yeah. It's coming last. Like what? I was like, this is rude. <laughs> she hates me. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I would talk a lot in class and I had this one friend in there and we would just giggle and laugh and just be like that annoying duo that like a teacher would be like I don't know what to do with you guys yeah. like and I now reflecting back I'm like I should have been so much more respectful and you know reflection is everything anyway I was going through a huge not a huge at the time like a breakup my first one your first love right yeah. heartbroken in the playground being like my life is over this is it for me. I don't know where I can go on. Like that is this high school? Or? High school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like year 11, I was just distraught. I was yeah. like, how will it? I yeah, can't how talk will about I all this perspective this? and I'm like, oh my gosh, Life boy. is over. Life is over. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this teacher um, came up to me that like we, you know, I was coming last. I felt like she really didn't like me. I also wasn't, you know, giving her enough reasons to really like me at the time. Yeah. And I told her what was going on and she was like, here, take a book. I'm going to give it to you tomorrow. And it's like how to get through a breakup 101. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. really? Like, thank you. Yeah. And it normally takes me like two years to read a book. And I probably read this book in like one and a half days. Like it was packed with like stories and how to get through it. Anyway. So I, um, yeah, gave her back the book and I was like, miss, thank you so much. I was like, I have such a different like mind mindset now towards it. And you've really helped me heal. Like it's still going to take some time, but I feel like I'm not you know, my life is done. I'm like, now I'm really excited for like what's possible and maybe this has happened for a greater reason. Like she was able to do that. And we were like, oh, and we built like a good friendship. The next assignment, I came first, first. And I was like, what? But it was public speaking. So I was like, you know what, to be fair, would have kind of probably been up there in the top five. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. But um, yeah, it kind of showed me very early on that building relationships actually really matters and not from like a sense that you can get good marks, yeah. but in the sense that if you are able to build connections, that will then be able to help you with the rest of your yep. like life and your tasks. And I think because I built a good connection with her, I could ask the right, uh, right questions for what to do for the assignment. Yep. And then from there, I was like well equipped to know what to research and how to implement and then be able to deliver yeah. the results. So yeah. fast forward on from then, um, uni was coming around and I was like, okay, what do I do? The people are coming into the schools going, join uni. And yeah. there was this one part where a girl goes, you know, I'm coming here to let you guys know she had this blank canvas um, on like a, a little 
what do you call them? Like those stands. Little, yeah, A-frame. Not yeah, A-frame. Yeah, little A-frame. And I was like, oh, cool. I love to paint. And she was like, you know what? uni's like it's like a blank canvas and it's up to you how you're going to paint it and I was like whoa that's cool now looking at your canvas behind here I'm like hmm. yeah paint um, it yeah yeah exactly yeah um and so um yeah from there I was like whoa like that's really cool that I could paint and carve out my own life at university yeah. like let's go do that so Throughout uni, the main thing that I took from, I guess, what I wanted to do at uni was one, of course, get the skills, but really I was there to make friends yep. and build relationships. And I yep. felt like I'd learned that from both the YouTube experience and then also just from even that teacher from going from last yeah. in the class, don't have any relationship to, I can't seem to get like ahead in anything to then becoming friends and then being so, you know, supported and then have the opportunities to go well. So I think from there I took to uni and I went, you know what, let's just have fun, make as many friends as possible, yeah. joined all the societies, yeah. hosted all these parties, yeah. created a business ball, did a joined, uh, created a marketing society and like wow. led that up. And I think it was just because I – understood the value of being able to create friendships and, and yeah. have friends. And I just wanted to have friends as yeah. well, you know. Because was... you went to Wollongong Uni, right? I did, yeah. yeah that's where I went I know. Like a couple months. Yeah. So good. That's right, when you did law? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How was that? Wollongong, well, the reason I picked Wollongong Uni, um, like they like come to your school and then like my, my I was yeah. such good friends with like my year advisor and like um, I'm still friends with him now. I, I keep in touch. We graduated over 10 years ago from high school. And the same thing I was reflecting when you were saying the teachers that you had the best relationships with, you did best in. And I was thinking, well, yeah, that was actually the same as me. The two teachers that I was probably least close with were the two lowest marks that I received. Um, but he said, oh, look, Dylan, if you want to have fun, you want to go like to all the parties and do all that stuff, like you got to go down to Wollongong Uni. I'm like, all right, sweet, sold. So I had an early entry. I had to go down and do some exams and like a, a meeting with the dean or whoever it was. And got accepted. And that actually took heaps of pressure off my HSC because I had early entry. Mm. All they said was like, don't stuck completely stuff up your exams and you're in. So I didn't really have to stress too much. But I went down there and like it was what you said. There was, it was like a really good community vibe. Everyone was like going out, like like in, in, in involved in all the societies. And I'd go out for drinks and have all these parties. But I was like, I didn't live on campus. I had to drive mm. all the way back to Sydney. So I missed out on all that. Yeah. But yeah. it seemed like such a good place to be. Were you down on campus or did you live in the area? I lived in the area, oh, yeah. So yeah. I lived in share houses for three years and Epic. just was – I basically lived on campus. Epic. I should have had a tent somewhere <laughs> hidden in like Saved an a little bit on rent. Or something. Yeah, seriously. Although the rent was pretty good down yeah. there at the time. Um, yeah, I'd say just really being able to get involved, make yeah. a lot of friendships. And then when I went um, and finished uni, I was like, okay, three choices – fashion job in marketing, agency role um, that's really up and coming or yep. work for myself. And obviously the work for myself, I was like, that's the one I really want. But I was like, I have no confidence in like <laughs> a skill, um, no context. Yeah. And just at the time I was like, I feel like I just need to get a bit more bearings mm. from what I'd learned at uni or, you know, was able to get through. I still didn't feel at the time like I could just The stuff you learned at uni um, in terms of the marketing and business stuff mm. Do you think that was really important to what you do on a day-to-day -day basis now or was it more like the experience of going through uni gave you the growth you needed to be where you are now? Experience definitely trumps the, the learnings. The learning, right? However, I would say being able to 
be in a classroom and sit in and, and do all those little nuances of what gets you the marks is good. Like you yeah. get good discipline out of it. Um, I'd say though, if you only get your values worth out of uni, because you pay a significant amount to yeah. go there, it's all about the people that you meet. And it's been yeah. crazy five years, 10 years down the track, like the people that Are you still in touch again. with anyone from uni? Yeah. I'm in touch with like the lecturers and things like oh, that. Um, and then the lecturer's son recently interned at Bonnie Media, which no is like way. a full circle moment. Um, people who were in my classes, yeah. um, like work with me, which is really cool. Um, and then also, yeah, just bits and pieces and beyond. And even when I finished uni, the reason why I got my first job was because someone knew of me like yeah. at the time at uni yeah. and went, oh yeah, I saw her around campus. She was really involved. Yeah. Let's get her in for so a job. You, what was that first job at an agency or? No, it was actually for, I picked the fashion job. Oh, so, the fashion job. Yeah. Yep. So when I worked um, as a marketing coordinator for an e-commerce brand, it was really, it is, it's still up and coming and, and yeah. really successful. Um, and so I was able to learn so much yeah. there. That's where I got the context. Like you get so much real life context and skill when you're actually doing the job. Like, yeah, yeah. it's just the work you can't like people, like interning at, a, at an agency, even for like a month, I feel mm -hmm. like you'll learn so many more real life usable skills than you would in like potentially a whole semester at uni. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I think as soon as I got in there, week one, I was already learning Google Analytics, Facebook wow. ads, um, coordinating shoots, like photography, videography. I was like, this is it. Epic. And it's in fashion. I was like, yeah. this is my dream. Um, and it was, it was the best two years ever. I had so much fun and gained so much experience. And yeah, even just being uh, as more of an operator in a coordinator role, yeah. it really taught me like to get things done on time, to think of new ideas and, you know, just to really be creative. Yeah. It was a really good workplace. What was your like full scope of work there at that fashion label? Like yeah. what were you doing? I was producing the ads that then were getting sent to an agency at the time. But at the time I was like, oh, cool. Like my ad, like we put like, you know, yeah. a bit of spend behind it and it made so much. And yeah. I was like, whoa, that's really cool. But it did, <laughs> didn't really click till like a few years later where yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, this is actually kind of a dope skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to do this for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else did I do? I did, uh, yeah, a lot of copywriting. Yeah. So for every single product was I, writing. I feel like for e-commerce marketing, one of the most like fundamental skills you need to be successful in e-com with like with respect to marketing is copywriting, right? Yes. So mm. important. And I was doing copywriting, you know, 10 times a day for every single post on Facebook at the yeah. time. It had, um, it has like over half a million like likes on Facebook. Wow. So it's a huge channel for us. So yeah. the copywriting for that, the copywriting, um, for every single product. Um, so yeah, I was able to understand like bestsellers, new arrivals, like yeah. trending, you know, like all of those nuances yeah. that you need to get the click yeah. and what that means. So yeah. being able to have context of that, Google Analytics analysis as well, I was able to bring together like a lot of different reports. And Are like you naturally a, a creative person or an analytical person? What do you think? Good question. I think initially in life, more of a creative and yeah. English driven. And then my partner, he um, studied civil engineering, he's mm -hmm. super analytical. Yeah. Um, he works in strategy now and I feel like I've spent eight years with him. Yeah, He's really brought out the analytical side yeah. in me. Um, and now I'd say I'm a bit of a balance of both. I think yeah. that a lot of my role today is being able to get into the detail and really make things better. And I yeah. think you need both a creative like arm and a, like an analytical arm sure. as well. And I yeah. think that I have a good balance of both. I'm probably a little bit stronger in analytical, okay. um, but I'm yeah now kind of leading the creative team. Yeah. So now I'm going to yeah get my teeth stuck into there yeah. a lot more. Okay, cool. So you went from there, you spent two years at the fashion label and then you went from there 
straight into Vonnie Media? Like, Mm-mm. oh, there was another step? Another step. Then I went into um, agency land and okay, went and worked perfect. for an agency. And so this agency specialised in like shopper marketing. So it was events. So like the, mm-hmm. you know, uh, different activations and then also in sampling. So like, you know, those stalls at Woolworths and Coles and the people there to serve you food. Um, I was very much responsible for like the end-to-end management of those coming to life and then also worked in like the brand ambassador talent management side of things where okay. you would actually get the talent to show up with their kits and, yeah, and do yeah, all of yeah. that coordination. And so, yeah, how long were you at that place for? Wasn't there for too long. I was there for about nine months. Because the reason I asked that is yeah. what was the point that you started getting this like itching feeling that, hey, I, I need to start my own thing? When did that start? Because I had it at least a good 18 months before we launched and probably about half a year before I started working on Happy Skin Co. Was it the same for you? Or did you always have in the back of your mind that, hey, it's just a matter of time until I go out there on my own? Yeah, I think I'd always had that thought of back when I finished uni, I was like three options, right? So I'd kind of done yeah. the fashion role. I was like, amazing. Um, then also agency, I was like, okay, I really want to get context of like how to do a scope of work, invoice, client relationship management, Everything. and just understand the nuances of that. I think for me, what the drawing board and the the, the edge of, of why I decided to go more towards working for myself was that my passion, I really found that in the fashion job of digital marketing. I was like, yep. this is crazy amazing. I'm having so much fun. I'd say I was having a bit less fun working in events and okay. sampling. It just wasn't something I was passionate about. I was like, I don't wake up and can't wait to work on sampling. There are people there that love it though. And I'm sure, um, in the, and there's a place for it in the marketing world for sure. I think for me, I knew that social and you yeah. know advertising was something I wanted to kick my teeth in a little bit more. Yeah. So I decided to have a year and this seemed ridiculous at the time. I was like, I'm going to have a year where I don't care if I make no money. Okay. Like, were I'm you, not gonna were be... you doing Vonnie Media and you still had a job or you just went cold turkey, quit my job and I'm going to spend all my time on Vonnie Media? Yeah, so I um, took it in a bit of a stage process. It worked yeah. part-time. Yeah. And then from there I was like, you know what, I don't have the time – reason anymore to not be able to start something. I was like, I'm going to give myself a year. I was living in North Sydney, had an F45 membership, working part-time. I was like, (laughs) far out. Really got to get my spend under control. (laughs) Really got to do something with these spare like two to three days. Like I've got to make something happen in this year. And even if nothing happens, who cares? One year of my life. Yeah. And, I, and I'll have fun and I'll probably be a bit more happy at doing it. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of the trade-off that I made. I was like, do I want to keep climbing the ranks and maybe something that I'm not overly passionate about? I was super grateful for mm-hmm. the experience and the context, but I just knew I was like, I've had a taste of what digital marketing's like yeah. and what fashion and all that kind of space and e-commerce was what like. What year was this where you're oh. like just getting started with Vonnie Media? 2019. Yeah. So it's yeah. like peak peak time for e-com. It was. was Really on the up, yeah. Yeah, it was. So I, um, yeah, had that just flick of a switch and sometimes you just got to have that where you go, you know what, I'm actually going to change my life. And so I just made it. I was like, you know, I'm not walking into anything, but I'm just going to get a job part-time that's in marketing and then also be able to build this on the side for one year. Let's give it a go. So first few months I was getting a couple of rejections. I know that initially I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start telling everyone that I am a, yeah. I was like, I'm going to tell everyone that I'm a digital marketing freelancer. I was like, whoa, (laughs) what a dream. I hadn't gotten any jobs yet, but I was like, nonetheless, I've got some skills. Like I think I could help people out. So I was at fitness first, finished a workout and there was a new, um, actually I was new. There was a trainer there and he was like, you're new. I was like, I am. (laughs) Um, And then we got to know each other a little bit more and he was like, oh, like I'm developing an app. I really need help with marketing. Um, When we launch, I was like, well, I'm a digital marketing freelancer and I could help you out. So um, he was like, all right, come back with what you could help me with. And this is what I put together, right? It was digital ads. Four blog posts, 
four emails, yeah. graphic design, copywriting for the website, like literally everything yeah. you can imagine was in this for $90 total. <laughs> what? Bonnie. That's, that's like a whole week's work almost. Like that's like busting your ass for a week. I was freaking out, Dylan. I thought it was too much. No. Seriously. Seriously. $90. Seriously, my rates aren't that now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I was freaking out. I was like, I don't know if they're going to accept this. Like, I don't know if if I'm no. worth it fully. Like, you have to start somewhere. Of course, yeah. You know, and that's Very where I started. <laughs> what was his response like when you told him $90? Um, so initially he was like, cool, like, let's take this to yeah. the app developer. Like, yeah. I didn't know any better and I, I don't know if he did either. Yeah. So he was like, cool, let's take this to the app developer, see what happens. So I was like, cool, had everything ready. It was so good. I was forced to make a scope of work, a contract, yeah. like, get everything together. Walked in. I was like got this, I've got this. And yeah. the app developer just completely cut it off and was like, no, we don't need marketing. We don't need you. Like, thanks so much, but no thanks. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, maybe I charge too much. <laughs> oh, no. For $90, <laughs> that's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. <laughs> what was it? All right, I want to know the first time. I thought that was going to be the big first paycheck, the $90 paycheck. No, rejected. Do you remember? Do you, rejected. Do you remember the feeling because I, I, I remember when we when we first got our first sales and like when you first get the Shopify, cha-ching, it's like kind of feels like a game. Like it's not really real. But then you start getting money into your bank account and then you're like, wait, what the hell? Like this is like um, there's actually money coming in that's like for me now. What was it like? What was going through your head when you got that first paycheck and you look at it and you're like, this is – this is this real. This is real. It's mine. This is happening. Yeah. Mm. So after, you know, that rejection, I think I had one more as well. It was for like a very small travel company and they were like, oh, no, not right now. So I was like, far out. This is tough. Yeah. This is hard. Um, and it'd been quite a few months. I was like, I only have like six months left. Crap. Like yeah. I have to get my stuff together. Um, I, yeah, pretty much by putting out there as a digital marketing freelancer, people were starting to potentially, you know, go, Hey, how are you putting it out there? Uh, just on Instagram yeah. in my bio. Yeah. And then I would also on my days off, just kind of show different We're making content at this point? Yeah, yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. 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 Mainly on Instagram, nothing too crazy, but yeah. still like the people that you know in your life, know people. And yeah, we of course. tend to think that you've got to have all these followers to be able to build something, but not necessarily. Sometimes mm. it can just start with friends and family and you've got a business, of course, yeah. you know, so what happened for me is that I, um, yeah, got this opportunity to attend this like fashion show for, um, a Bondi, like local fashion brand that had just gone to market and they had no idea that we got, what they were going to do with their marketing. So I was like, Oh, you could do this. You could do this. Like I was so passionate yeah. and they were like, we need to talk. Let's yeah. have a chat. And I was there in fashion, in my element, like yeah. in that space. And I was like, wow okay, like, let's have a chat. And so I was like, okay, let's do Facebook ads. Let's do one email um, and a strategy session for $500. It's yeah, like, yeah. This is like. <laughs> better price. Yeah, sort yeah, of. yeah. It's better. Um, and she was like, sounds great. Yeah. Done. And like so at least like, it's like, okay, $90 is a bit extreme, but at least it's like starting to get. You got to learn from someone. Yeah, Can you imagine if they said yes, what I was signing myself up to? It's probably a blessing that they yeah. said no. But anyway, at, at that early stages, even if you were charging $90, like. You're still learning. It's kind of like you're getting so paid true. a little bit to learn. Oh, so. I thought for my first job as a freelancer, the fact that I was going for a paid gig, like this was my mm. view. I was like, I can't believe I'm putting money behind my first one. Like yeah. this should be free. Yeah. So to be fair, my frame of mind was like, I should be doing free work right now. I'm a big fan of free work for yeah. sure. And like if I had to start all over again, like I would go and work for someone that I really admired. But at the same time, like when you're freelancing, I suppose, yeah, I do do some jobs for, for people to get some reviews, but the amount of value you're going to give like, Everyone deserves, you know. 
Hundred percent. Yeah, I think that. Um, yeah, you, you've got to kind of. I, I would be a big fan of free work for, for sure. Yeah. Like, not that I would be. I am a big fan oh, of same. it. I think at the time because I was so like money poor, I yeah. was like, even if I could just put something behind it, that's at least me putting some sort of value behind it in the moment. Well, my my point is like, there's. I'm a fan of doing like free work for either like if it's a friend that you know and you're mm. helping them out, but you're also learning. From that, or if it's someone then you really look up to admire. Yes. But I wouldn't just go and do free work for any random person on the internet, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because there are people that will take advantage of it. Totally, yeah. I think it's only if it, you know it's so aligned with your strengths and passions and you would just be there for no money anyway. And do you know do, what I mean? Yeah, you do, do it for a purpose. Like, okay, 100%. I'm not getting paid for this, but I'm doing it because of X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. and then I'm fine with it. Yeah, And then, and the then dive in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, I think with that, um, she was like, yep, let's do it. She got some really great results. And then I was out to dinner with a couple of um, girlfriends from my previous job at the fashion label, um, and then one of them owned a jewellery label that I was out mm. to dinner with um, okay. and Dylan and I, I both know this, know this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, she's amazing. Um, yeah, we love her. And uh, yeah, essentially I was at that dinner, I had my laptop because I was coming straight from work um, and she was mentioning how she wanted to really grow her business. So I built an ad on the spot in a bar. It was like Lil Darlin in Surrey Hills. It was not a lot yeah, of space. Yeah, I like yeah. had my laptop up and I was like, this is what you could have. And she was like, Sign me up. Like, let's go. So she go. was doing it all by herself before? Uh, there was no ads. It was just yeah. like a hobby on okay. the side. Um, and just through her content um, and through her influential profile, she was able mm. to, yeah, run and have her business on the side wow. of her She job. was like even packing orders herself up until like a year or two Oh, my ago, gosh. Right? Yes. Yes. She was so, um, yes, yeah, so busy so quickly. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we've, we've worked together for now, yeah, two and a half, three years. Yeah. Um, yeah so she was your first client? Second. Second yes, client. Yes, technically. I, I mean, I'd love to call her my first, but, yes, my second client. Second client. client. And yeah. you've been with her since then. And I know yeah. speaking to her and you, like the difference of the growth once you started, how, like, I do want to give a bit of a case study, not really a case study, but tell us what was it like for you personally to actually see real life success. And not only are you, these, these aren't just numbers on a piece of paper. You're effectively changing someone's life by the work you do. Yeah. Oh, it was unreal. And I think as well, I've got to really acknowledge that she really came to the table with building a team, yeah. logistics, and really taking on a lot of the other parts of the puzzle that grow a business. Yeah. I think a lot of people think that you can just turn on ads and then that's it. You're a winner. There are so many elements of the marketing mix that you need to do to be able to really grow and sustain a brand and build equity in a brand. Yeah. So it's about, you know, what are you doing organically to nurture your audience each day? How are you optimizing your conversion rate on your website and keeping that website fresh and with yeah. constant content that serves that audience. Yeah. Then in conjunction, yeah, your ads, but what are you doing that actually matters to customers and are you thinking about them? And there was so many email marketing, like all these different yeah. things became part of the puzzle for us to really grow and scale this. And I think as like as a case study, I mean, yeah, she went from a hobby to multi-million dollar business. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, just to like a huge team and I love that. Like just people that start these little things and you're not really sure where it's gonna go and it started out of a passion or a hobby and it grows into something so much more. Yeah. This um, brand is called The Little, by the, the way. The Little, yeah. Definitely want to like give it a can, plug. I'm like, well, you can say her name and the business. Yeah, like, it's yeah. Alice Roberts and The Little. Yeah. So she was our second client, still with us today. And yeah, we've been able to grow her business into, yeah, yeah something. Yeah, she's a legend. I wasn't sure if you didn't want to say it or something. No, like no. No, I think I definitely want to give her a huge shout. Um, yeah, she was such a big part of the puzzle mm. of just being able to go, you know what, we're in this together and we're going to And like she even this. just bought her own like office and, and warehouse recently, right? Yeah, bought like, her own office and warehouse. It. She's got her own house that she's bought. She's yeah. absolutely killing yeah. it. But also 
as well. She's worked really hard. Oh, and I think that's hard. the, you know, you can look at the end result and be like, wow, like they just somehow have it together. Like there are hours and hours and hours of hard work. And I think when you are a business owner, it can get very lonely yeah. and there are a lot of hardships. And so I think that if you can persevere through that and launch and get something off the ground, like yeah. that, there is a lot of stuff behind that. It's not just at, luck. At what point did you like hire your first team member? How many clients did you have before you realized, hey, I probably need to get some help? Yes, probably around four or five clients. Yeah. So our third client that came into the business was Sunday's Label, okay, um, cool. which is a pretty big um, mm. Australian fashion brand um, that's, yeah, really taken off as well. I'd say like equally with the little, such a, you know, small business to start, um, predominantly wholesale, and now it has like this huge direct-to-consumer base, yeah. which once again, they were able to come to the table with a lot of different areas of yeah. logistics, growing the team, starting to do a lot of organic marketing. I think you really need to, you know, yeah. work together to grow as opposed to just relying on us for everything you can you can but well, to really you, you can but it's going to break if you don't have the logistical support behind it and the structure because like we had periods when we first launched where we were selling so much and then like looking back and it once we brought in like a proper finance manager there were so many missed opportunities and things we did wrong and like if we didn't bring that person in I'm like not to say everything would have went down but like let's just say I'm very glad we we brought in that other stuff to stabilize because if you just think sales and marketing and growth like it you're putting yourself at risk, right? So true. So what was the first person doing? Like what did you hire them to, to do? Yeah, so they were hired pretty much straight after the Black Friday rush okay. and Christmas. Yeah. I was doing all the campaigns, all yep. the strategy, like so much work that yeah. I was – but I loved it. I was obsessed. Like I was up till three, up again at six, like worked all of Christmas day and night. And like my wow. partner's family were like – going to spend time with us. I was like, I've got to build ads. But you were enjoying it, right? Yeah. I wanted them to go so well. I was obsessed. I would yeah. ch change it by the hour. I was like, it's 7 p.m. Yeah. I can't have dinner with you guys. The campaigns yeah. will go better with my manual changes. Yeah. <laughs> like when you oh, know that you're at that Black level. Friday, Boxing yeah. Day, Christmas periods. It's like every hour we're checking the ads, adjusting budgets. Okay, what can we change here? I'll push my budget into this. Try this ad. Like this is working. How can we recreate that and put it out? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I'm on time. night shift. Like yeah. Black Friday, yeah. Boxing uh, Yeah. I, so I how long were done. you, like, how long until you hired that person? Yes. So I hired that person. So took it full-time um, November 2019. Yep. And then was able to hire someone by February 2020. Wow, that's really quick. Yeah. So I had that busy time and I went, you know what? I know that we're just scratching the surface of who we can help. Yep. There's more brands coming in and people wanting to talk to me. And I think I'm going to need just someone to help. And yeah. I'll just I'll just train them, even if it's yep. a bit of a loss initially. Once again, I was never motivated by money. The whole point was just to give back, yes. have fun and build something for myself and work for myself. And I think yeah. when that was the goal, that was the intention and the fact that I could help people so much and I was up so late at night yeah. just to have it go so well yeah. meant that people were hearing about it and people wanted to also, I guess, have that experience for their business. And were they on part-time to start with? Yeah, yeah. contractor one day. Like yeah. I was so... Yeah. You have to start like Yeah, that. I was so scared. And then there was a second person. I was like, okay, you're contractor one day too. <laughs> <laughs> and then she went to two days yeah. and then he and she then went to two, three days, yeah, four yeah. days. And then, yeah, by the time, what was it, a year later, yeah, I had about four or five full-time staff mm. of that year. And then now we have 15 15 staff. staff. Yeah. What about... um? What about your first office? I know that's an exciting, like when, when did that happen? <laughs> it happened You've got a really epic office now. It looks sick. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's it's coming together. Yeah. Um, I think initially it was just in the lounge room. It yeah. was literally us all at one table, was able to convert a spare room um, into a bit of like three desk spaces, but then there was four or five of us. So yeah, we like... were in the living room, the lounge room, and then Sam, my partner, he'd just gotten a new job that like involves like quite a lot of confidential information and yeah. strategy, for, like a, quite a good corporate. And he was like, 
you guys can't be here. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Fair stuff. Enough. And you yeah. guys, he's like, I'm kicking you out, essentially. Yeah. And it was actually the best thing. That it was he, a push you needed, right? Totally. Because I was like, okay, I'm going to need to get a space. So yeah. we took it step by step. We moved into a co-work space. And I felt like that was really low risk because yeah. you can go month to month. They have everything set up for you. Fridges to like waste management, like yeah. all these things you would never think of. Like it was all done yeah. for you in that space. Then when I moved out of that space, we had a few different offices in yeah. there. Moved out there, got our own space, and I was like, it's going to be easy. It's going to be just like this co-work. Move in, desks, done. done. Yeah. So naive. There was so much to do. Yeah. But it was great. It, it taught me a lot on, like, what things to consider. Like, yeah. fridge gets empty. We run out of toilet paper. <laughs> the electricity stops. There's leaking. The <laughs> things you don't think of until you actually get in there and start doing it, right? Yeah, but all worth it. I think that as long as you can, you know, in, enlist the right experts and the right people, you'll be able to run it smooth. What I want to ask you about, and, and I'm not sure what your answer is going to be because like, I really just think it's you being you as a person. But like, as I said before, like, I really admire who you are and like, you seem like the best boss. And I think a lot of, if you're going to be a, a business owner that grows a team, like I'd want to be able to connect with my team the way you do. Mm. Do you have any advice or thoughts on the best way to grow and cultivate like a positive work environment, good working relationships with with your team? Mm, That's an awesome question. I've got a couple of things that I think could be really helpful um, for you and also for the audience listening. There's a kind of a bit of a framework that I learned maybe about a, yeah, it was just over a year ago now and it completely changed the way that I think about people in general and then also about business. I'll walk you guys through. It's a little bit different, but it's, it's really, really helpful. So there are different people in our lives that I guess operate in different ways. So say, for example, if you say, uh, want to get something done, What's the best way that you would do that? Some people would send a really long email and really need a lot of detail. Some people just want the results. They don't care. They don't want a long email, you know? And then there's other people that just want to get on the phone, have a chat, build a friendship. You don't cover anything, (laughs) but you have a good time. And then they're like, perfect, we're on track. Then you've got other people that are like, okay, if there's something to get done, okay, but what about logistics? What about all these different things? Like, have you considered this? So there's different ways that people operate when a task is put forward to you. So I want to walk you guys through this because I think it's so helpful and it's really changed the game for how I interact with my team and also with my clients and people in general. So let's just go in like a quadrant, okay? We'll go top right. This is a person called the connector. The connector. Okay, this is the person that they just want to catch up for coffee, hang out, catch up like good old days. But if you're in a business setting... If you're someone else, like, yeah. operates differently, you're there, like... We're we looking at your we watch, like, what are we do? doing? Yeah, yeah. and so Brenton and I, like, this is my business partner for The Good Gun, yeah. we're both connectors. We just, yeah. like, want to catch up, hang out, yeah. how, and then we're like, how good? <laughs> <laughs> we're like, did we actually cover what we need to cover? No, but we had such a fun time yeah. laughing. Done, success. So that connector, they're very much the person that would be, yeah, building those relationships and on that side. Then you've got someone's other quadrant. By the way, everyone's a cloud. No one's set in a certain quadrant. But I'd say I'm very much a connector. This second side is like someone who's very results-driven and very accomplishment-driven. They're big on checklists. They just want to hear what you need. So if I'm a connector going like, I need this done, they're like, cool, when do you need it by? And by when? Done. Okay, da-da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like talking, they're like, "Mm, I just need to get it done for you. And then we'll we'll talk. They're very results-driven. And, yeah, they're someone that just needs to get stuff done. And people can cloud as well. And I, there's, I'll talk very quickly in a second around what people do when they're stressed versus when they're calm. Yeah. Because when I'm stressed, I go into results mode. I'm like, all right, let's get That's me checklist. Time. You would I'm, so be that. I'm like the connector. But then like when I'm under pressure and it's not necessarily bad stress, but when I've got a lot to do, I would find myself losing my softer connector skills and just be like, give me 
like, give me the problem and what do you need and let's fix it because I have 100 things to do today. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, that's like a risk. I don't want to become too much of that. Mm. But it's really important for me to, you know, set goals and to-do lists and things that need to get done. But I don't want to lose my myself and my natural, you know, wanting totally. to connect with people and talk. And where you operate, which is wanting to catch up, get on the phone or spend time with people, get to know people. And that, that's still a great way to operate too. It's just different. Um, so, yeah, you've got that kind of side, which, yeah, that's so cool <laughs> that we're kind of similar. Then you go into this third quadrant. They're kind of called the analysts. So these are people that say, if I'm a connector going, okay, you've got all, like, this is this, this brief's come in. They'll be like, whoa, stop. I need more detail. I need more context. I need to really understand what you need from me. And they'll go away and then they'll deliver something excellent with quite a thorough amount of detail. So we've probably all experienced before where you get a really long email and all these, and you're like, whoa, Mm. like, hang on, can we get on the phone? They're like, no. (laughs) You're like, why? And this is where like it becomes so important to understand how people operate so that you can, one, tailor the right people to work with similar operating styles, but two, you don't take things as personal. Like there'd be clients that'd be like, let's catch up. And they're like, no, I just want the results. And I'm like, but now I'm like, cool. They just, that's you, the way that they operate, yeah. you know, and that's what they need in order to be able to run their life. Yeah. And then finally, so you've got the analyst and finally you've got someone that's a bit more of a human, humanist, and they're the people that, yeah, would go, okay, sure, thanks, Fon, for that brief, but now how is that going to affect the logistics? Have you thought about how that's going to affect that person's week? They're very good at thinking around the overall picture and that harmony. And so when I'm calm as like a cloud, I go into that. I'm like, let's have a party. How are you feeling? Like I really lean into that when I'm calmer. So it's interesting to see how it works. And then there is one in the middle, which is like a mediator. They're kind of calm. They're kind of like don't extend into anything in huge amounts, but there's someone that can be good at everything. They're kind of like good project manager, pretty chill. Yeah. And then you have a creator. This person is really good at everything in huge amounts. So they'll be a super connector and then super good at detail and super in results, super in there. Yeah. So like, I guess like your, um, like your Richard Branson, probably yeah. be that kind of character where you're like, whoa, you can be so good at all of them yeah. and you don't know which one you're going to get. For yeah. The what do you Interesting. think? Um, no, yeah, I've, I've, I've explored similar things in the past. Like I've done a lot of mentoring with like, um, through martial arts, actually not even wow. through business. And we, we have similar principles. Um, and, but what I want to ask is like, cause I know people listening to this, they're going to start thinking about the different people in their team, whether they're the manager Good. or the owner or not, mm. but is there a way, like, is there a, a checklist or a questionnaire that you can give to people to get this? Or is it all just based on like, okay, this is their behaviors. And I think they're a connector or a creator. Mm. Or, yeah. I think having the one-on-ones with the people in your life and actually explaining this framework to them, mm. being like, here's a quadrant, here's kind of like the f- six different ones. Yep. Which one do you reckon applies to you? And yeah. just asking, it's like when you ask someone like, what's your love language? Yeah. <laughs> you might think you know, but then you can get some confirmation yeah. from them on how you know. Okay. The, this re- resource might be online. I think it's something I was, I can't remember where I was taught it. I think my partner Sam learned it from someone in his MBA. Mm. Yeah. So he's doing his master's of business yeah. administration. So I feel like it was a framework out of there. Yeah, I love I, – I, and that's the part that I think I missed from not going to uni and not mm. having a lot of corporate experience was like the stuff I had to teach myself and I did like a, a diploma in like leadership and management to learn a lot. That's where I learned a lot about this as well. Yeah. Um, because I didn't go to uni. Well, I did, as I said, for two months and I, I spent a, quite a short amount of time in the corporate space. So I didn't do a lot of this formal training mm. and learning these things. So – once I did start to get exposed to some of these, I think they're really handy tools um, and come in really handy, like particularly if you're at this point where you want to start scaling and building a team. When it's just you, you kind of work in your own way and you hire one person 
And like generally, if you hire one person, they're either going to be the same as you or they're going to be the opposite because you identified that you needed to, mm -hmm. you know, fill a need that you can't really fulfill yourself. But where it gets tricky and, and I don't know what's your strategy is like, okay, when you get to the point where you have, let's say 10 team members and they're all different mm -hmm. yep. and it's like, okay, you personally, Ronnie, you, you're responsible for communicating everything to the team and make sure everyone has what they need to succeed. But you also have your own work that needs to get done. How do you balance shifting in and out of these different communication styles mm. with people and still finding enough time to get the stuff that you need to get done? Such a good question. I think that having really clear, accountable like defined roles are really important so that you know exactly like, okay, um, let's say if it's the head of paid, we, I know exactly what would be like in his like JD, so to speak, that he's got to achieve for the week. Yeah. How he gets there, I don't really mind as long as like the box is ticked that that's achieved so that we've got, you know, the whips happening, the one-on-ones people feel supported and we can go into the nuances of like how to improve those and things like that. But I would say that being really clear on exactly what their roles are and then also how to do your levels of delegation. We actually don't use the word delegation in our office, which is yeah. quite interesting. We use the word empower or yeah. reassign or, you know, uh, collaborate or whatever it is. It's a little bit is. of a dirty word. It's a bit of, of a like negative To some people, the connotation, yeah. I think so. When you hear the word delegate, you feel like you don't want to give that to that person. But instead, if you're empowering them to learn and grow, they might be so excited to get that, yeah, that task that. that you're so dreading. So I think your language and your tonality is very important in how you deliver it. Um, yeah, and also just the way that you are able to do your levels of delegation. So there will be different areas where I'll go, okay, this is what you do for your whips. I trust you completely. That yeah. is the level of delegation or the level of empowerment I'm giving you. You don't need to come to me. You don't need to give me an update. It's yep. it, making those expectations for tasks are very important. Whereas there'll be other things like say if it's um, at an assistant level, I'll be like, cool, come to me with some research um, and, I'll, and I'll review it or come to me with some recommendations and I'll review it or do it and just yeah. inform me what you've done or just do it and I don't even need to see it. So there's different things that you can set in place for different tasks so that people know how to approach you and approach yeah. it. I'd also say that have really good project management systems in place. Okay. We use ClickUp. Yep. Have you heard of ClickUp? No. It's amazing. We've moved off Asana. Love Asana, but I <laughs> love ClickUp. It's really? incredible. Okay, cool. Because, yeah, we use Asana and, like, we oh, use Monday.com. No, like, I've, <laughs> I've tried them all. Like, yeah. I'm not really low. I haven't really found one that I love so much yet. Click so ClickUp, okay. Yeah, ClickUp has been game changing for us. I'll have to walk you through like, yeah. what, it, what it would look like. Um, but yeah, that has been invaluable in being able to make sure that everyone's, you know, on track, can see what everyone's up to. The other thing I'd say is people's calendars. That is something that we take a lot of time into to make sure that they actually own their week and they're really excited by their week yep. versus having a blank calendar and then everyone putting things left, right and center into their week. And, and they go, oh, well, your calendar's free. You know, so I think being able to teach how to use your project management system in the most effective way, how to use your calendar effectively, what communication style or operating style do you best receive it in, but also what's your job and are you actually achieving that job? So there's a bit of a, a mix, yeah. but I think if you're looking to measure all of those, then you're actually on your way to operating and running a business really well. What's been one of the biggest challenges to, to, to growing the agency to this size? Mm. I would say one of the biggest challenges was not hiring 
management soon enough. I think okay. that, that if I'm completely honest, I think now we've gotten in some really, really amazing like heads of verticals. Mm-hmm. So like your head of search, head of paid social, head of sales, like it's incredible when, when you have those people that come with so much experience and so much people management skills, how much that can then support the broader business. Um, initially growing it and it was so much learning as well. Like I'm learning as I'm growing too. Um, and also like capital and cash flow wise as well. I couldn't just hire a head yeah. after like month three. It takes some time to be able to bet on their um, performance and how they can grow the business. But I would say that it, it is very much thinking of how you can develop leaders and how you can then empower them to actually take over parts of your role. Yeah. That was something I struggled to let go of. I yeah. loved so many of the little things and found it so hard to let go. But then it came to the point of me managing, you know, 10 people at once and that's not good for them. So I took those measures very quickly. What was the first head of that you hired? Head of paid social. Okay. Yeah. That's a big. Yeah. And operations manager as well, which was good. Yeah. You mentioned as well a little bit about Brenton and the good gun. What's it like working with Brenton? The best. Oh my gosh, you guys. I mean, if you haven't listened to the first podcast, you need to because Brenton is a ball of fun. What a character. Hey, he's incredible. Oh, I have had the most insanely amazing, funny moments with that guy that I'll never forget. There's never a dull moment, hey? No, never a dull moment. And he's one of those people I always describe that you'll be surfing, like let's just say he's getting the best wave of his life and then he gets hit in the head with a jellyfish. (laughs) He is just one of those people where like he'll have everything going so well and then something will hit him in the face and it's so funny and he just has such a laugh and he gets back on the board. Life just happens to him, hey? Seriously, he's another and uh, on another level. Yeah, he's a yeah. Suffering. A lot of good things are starting to happen for Brenton, which is like he, he deserves it so much. He does such a good person, um, and to see because I've known him as well for like acting days. Yeah, ten years plus. I've um, seen a couple of the videos. Oh, the shirtless ones with the smoke <laughs> yeah, machines and stuff. <laughs> Seriously, he's um he's the best. But how mm. did the good gun come about? Like, when did that all start? Mm. I, we got a little bit of Brenton's perspective, but. I want to hear your perspective about how it started and and why. Yeah, great question. It started around the same time as when I leapt into full-time for Vonnie Media. So very much that November 2019 is when we also launched The Good Gun um, as well as launching Vonnie Media. And the way that it started was, um, yeah, Brenton, I mean, he's already the life of the party. He doesn't need a massage gun to make him more of life of the party. Seriously. But he bought a massage gun off eBay, I believe, and he was he's a DJ, right, or like a heads up a DJ company, contracts out DJs, also does some really cool gigs. He was at a gig, brought this massage gun, and everyone was loving it. He he was, once again, the life of the party, but yeah. he doesn't need it. But he, yeah, had so much fun. I think he took it to a few different gigs, and he was like, hmm, there's a bit of demand here. Like, he's yeah. such a business guy. He yeah. was like, I can make some money. This is, this is a really good plan. Um, so I believe that he pitched it out to a couple people. Um, and then from there, um, we were sitting down at 5.30 Club, which was a uh, club that Brenton had um, founded with a couple of other members, um, essentially where you go and you show up 5.30 a.m. every morning, Monday to Friday, at a coffee shop and you get work done. So I was attending there, getting in amongst the community, working away at the freelance, which is another thing I was really, like like I said, obsessed with it. I was up at 5.30. So you were working straight away in the 5.30? Straight away. I was yeah. crazy. Like 5.30, just working like on Everyone's ads. like, I'm going to chill out, read my book, read the Bible, meditate, whatever it may be. And then you're like, nah, I'm just going to work straight away. I was building ads for the little. Yeah, I was literally <laughs> just... It was just my passion. Like you just can't, you know, when you get so obsessed with something. So yeah, I was there always working away. Don't know if that's healthy or not, but when you're grinding to get it, get it to full time, you'll, you'll do what you can. Yeah. Um, so I was there and then Brenton was like, 
what do you do? And I was like, oh, like I help grow like e-commerce businesses. And Were you, you and Brenton close before Good Gun or like um, it was just kind of like you, you're always around each other? But Well, we'd actually, I had known him for maybe like a year or two prior. We'd met at a wedding yeah. and then I was at Blackwood Pantry maybe like a year and a bit later, still living in North Sydney, chilling there. It was like 2.30 p.m. Blackwood closes at three um, and I was there with a friend. We were having tea, just us two and Brenton. And then <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, Oh, it's the guy from that wedding. Um, and I got up and he was like, hey. And I was like, oh, hey. And then, like, we got started chatting and he was like, oh, this is on tomorrow. Like, would you like to join? And I was like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. And so he, like, introduced me into, like, his friendship groups and into That's everything, cool. which was really cool. And because we had so many mutuals, it all kind of aligned sense. really well. So I'd say from there it was probably two months later that the good gun started. Yeah. So we'd kind of, yeah, just become friends. But at the same time, you know what it's like with Brenton in the sense that you, you know what I mean? You're, you're like family within a matter of For moments sure. if the connection's there. So, yeah, we became really great friends and decided we'd just launch it together. Because you and Brenton, in a way, you've got a lot of similarities, but at the same time you're also like quite opposite. Yes. Because like Brenton just like, yeah, the way he explained it, it was like I'm there trying to get peaceful, like just chill out, read, read his passage, whatever. And Vonnie's just like straight up and at it. I'm like, I don't know how she does it. But do you, do you think, are you, a, are you a stressor or are you just so passionate about what you do? Hmm. It depends who you ask. I think if you ask my team, they're like, you're so calm, like so chill. You always find a way, always find a solution. And definitely, I think in moments of leadership, I definitely show up just to be there for them, yeah. show up, be that kind of like calm in amongst like their noise mm. in their life. At, at its core, I'd say I do put like those expectations or like that, yeah. you know, those things of like, I could be better, I could be doing this more or how do I get through this? So I definitely have my moments of how, trying to manage that. A bit how now. do you manage mental health? Mm, it's a good question. I think out of COVID, the unfortunate winner of it mm. all is mental health in a way, yeah. like going through that combined with, I guess, growing a business had its challenges to understand how to look after others and also take care of yourself as well. I'd say that the way I do it is by spending time with my friends, going out to coffee, um, having things planned, like me going to the Gold Coast last week, me going to the awards, like having little things throughout the year gets me so excited. Yeah. And so I think if you're finding what it is for you that takes care of yourself and actually slotting that in the calendar is really powerful. I feel like for you, maybe why you don't need, or it seems from the outside, you don't need so much of that is because you really do love what what you do. Mm -hmm. So it's not like if someone's working in a job they don't particularly love, they probably can't work as long as you and only have these small breaks because you will burn out. But if you're able to wake up every day and like you said, Hey, I'm here, I'm excited. Like I want to start creating these ads. Like I want to like plan my day and start thinking, okay, who am I going to have a phone call with today? What do I need to get ready for this meeting? It makes it so much easier, but do you have like a, a morning routine or are you still first up? Like oh, straight away. I'm not doing that anymore. I don't wake up at 5.30 and get it's to work tough, straight huh? away. However, I will say that like that passion still exists today where it'll be the weekend and sometimes I'll be like, oh, there's all these events. And I'm like, mm, but I just want to work. And I'm like, oh, I've got to yeah. like really, oh, I'll wake up and I'll obviously like get into my, do my morning routine. And then I'm like, I can't wait to work. Like, yeah. so I think when you have that passion, it is really cool that you know and, that you're in your lane. And how's Sam with you, mm. <laughs> um, with how much, like with, with your work ethic and your drive, like how mm. does that work? I think that he connects with me on a very similar level. He's highly analytical. He is highly ambitious as well, just loves the corporate space. Yep. So I think that he actually is leading a similar path, just doing it in a very different way. He loves huge teams, big teams, but he is someone that, like I said, he studied engineering. He's such a problem solver. Yep. And so I feel like whenever like I'm presented, say, with a problem and I want that external advice, he has really He's good, great solid advice. He's very calm, can really think things through and get to the solution. So we actually work really well together when it comes to 
work life. Yeah. I'd say as well, we've put measures in place to really be able to switch off, not talk and about work. And to have work. the time together, yeah, right? Yeah, and have morning routines as well. We've got a puppy, we've got a golden retriever. Oh, the cutest. So, yeah, so we walk her most mornings um, and we will jump into like a hit class like a couple times a week. So I'd say that I'm still building like my perfect morning yeah. routine, yeah. but I would say that I've got little things in place that I know if I don't do it, I'm probably going to go. So what's some of the things, like you kind of mentioned them, like creating that space, but is there anything that stands out to you as like an important element of like building a successful relationship or successful relationship air quotes? Mm, I think communication is huge. I don't know. That's a very generic one, but it is so true. If you don't talk for a while about maybe what you're struggling with, or maybe what you want more out of in the relationship, things can get lost in translation. So I think having face-to-face open communication about how you're feeling for the week, anything you need a hand with? Is there something that I could do better? We could do better. We often have a lot of those chats. And another part of our relationship is that we kind of have a bit of a rule where we only really want to talk about our dreams, not people. Okay. So the moment that we start talking about people, we're like, well, just like, it's like low energy energy stuff. And I'm like, the moment we do it, we just cut it. We're like, no, this isn't, this is bringing us down and we're not actually achieving anything or working towards our dreams or talking about where we could be and what yeah. we could do. So our relationship is actually fostered on a lot of really great conversations because we've just said no to a lot of other types yeah. of conversations. We still be open if we have things that we're struggling with, but we don't actually talk about people. We more, how do we come back to the bigger picture, yeah. which is really cute. I, I think love that. that. Yeah, it's a good foundation. Yeah. So what's what's next for you, for Vonnie, for Vonnie Media, the good gun, everything, what's Whoa. coming up? Huge. Um, okay, so Vonnie Media, so we're at 15 at staff at the moment if I was to kind of do it from a staff point of view and it's not slowing down like these um, people that have really headed up in the management their biggest goal is to build a team so if yeah. you go on LinkedIn we're hiring through and through and through so wow. we're hoping to double it by the end of the year as I'm well. just putting epic. it out there I've put it on the podcast guys so yeah. keep me accountable come check in December yeah 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 <laughs> that's it. epic hectic but so fun and I think for me the intention changed from just like whoa like say Facebook and Instagram ads or any type of yeah. digital advertising changes the game for businesses. It actually became, oh my gosh, look at say Harry, for example, or Maver or Megan, look at their confidence. Look at them going into those meetings and actually owning the room. Hey, now they've learned the skill. That is so exciting and has become like my new purpose yes. is actually seeing them succeed and grow. And I yes. think that comes back to that people person aspect of me that I think now has become a strength because growing a team doesn't scare me, but it really excites me because that's my new yeah. intention and my new kind of service that's is actually the empowering them through like a really cool skill set or like a set of skills that we can give out to the world. And yeah, do you feel like that's more aligned with who you are and your purpose now? Oh, for sure. Yes. It's definitely a whole new skill. Like I'm two years in, I'm a baby. There's so much for me to learn when it comes to how do people manage, but I would say that the reward of seeing them be on fire for their life and build out their dreams and for them to stretch their frame of mind is exactly why I'm here. And I'm so pumped to be able to do that on such a face-to-face level. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be heaps of econ people listening to this. So (gasps) yeah, where can we find you? Yes. You can find me uh, on Instagram with life with Vonnie. And also on LinkedIn, you can add me as Veronica Kremen, <laughs> nice and formal. And yeah, on YouTube, I'm live with Vonnie as well. Beautiful. And then our digital marketing agency is Vonnie Media. So you can go and talk to us there the too. Best. Honestly, Vonnie, I'm so proud of you. Thank you for coming in. Like to see how far not only you've been able to take the business, but yourself personally, since I've known you the last couple of years, it's a beautiful thing to watch. And 
I'm excited to remain close and friends over the next 10 years and to see where we both go. But again, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having me, Dylan. And I'm so pumped for your journey as well. You're such an inspiration to so many people and I'm excited to how you're going to be able to give back um, after all these years of grinding hard and learning. And you're always going to be learning, but now we get to learn <sighs> from you. Yeah, it's going to be thanks. sick. I'm excited. Too. I'm very excited. And it's just like what you said. I'm working more in alignment with my purpose and my passion. So only good things are going to happen. 100%. Cool. Thanks. Thank you. All right. There we go. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, could you please do me a quick favor and hit the follow or subscribe button? I honestly appreciate it more than you know. Thanks again. And I'll see you next time.